Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, Benjamin here. Welcome to this podcast extra. We've got an extended version of a chat my colleagues had on the last episode of the Nature Podcast. They are Lizzie Gibney, a senior reporter for Nature, and Federico Levy, a senior physics editor for the Nature Journal, who are discussing the 10th anniversary of the discovery of the Higgs boson, a particle central to the standard model, which is physicists' best description of the elementary subatomic particles and the fundamental forces between them that make up the universe. So its discovery marked a huge milestone for physics. But I'll let Fede and Lizzie take it from here to tell you more about the discovery, what the latest run of the Large Hadron Collider, or the LHC, might reveal about the Higgs boson's properties, and what role the particle could play in any potential physics beyond the standard model. Fede, can you remember where you were, what you were doing when the Higgs was discovered? I definitely do, yeah. I was still doing my PhD, actually, in physics. We crowded the main room of the physics department to look at the broadcast in real time because people knew that something was in the air, And we were all there, and it was amazing. Yeah, I was a reporter at the time, but not here in Nature, and I was writing for a publication that was more about policy. But I remember I was actually at a scientific event at the Royal Society in London, and there was so much buzz that evening um, and because I had actually worked previously at CERN as a kind of staff writer as an intern I had lots of questions from my friends and family so they were being pinged at me all the time and yeah I had to learn about the Higgs boson quite rapidly <laughs> even though I say I was writing for this publication that was more about policy we did write about research as well and uh, the article I ended up writing had a headline that was something to do with Higgsteria we coined it because there was some stat on like the number of times it was mentioned in in the news that week was just like mind-blowing and yeah it was it was just absolutely everywhere as for me you know most physicists know about the higgs boson but then once we actually found it you know you all of a sudden realize everything you don't know about the higgs boson but i do remember as well that when they made the announcement i just said now it was a discovery but they were quite cautious at first weren't they they said we found a higgs-like particle or something like that they didn't say we've definitely got the Higgs boson. Why were they so cautious? As you know well, physicists tend to be quite cautious, right? And I think that deep inside their hearts, many people felt differently than what they actually said. But the evidence that was presented on that day was the presence of a particle with a certain mass. And, you know, it was a particle that was definitely 
off the chart. It was not corresponding to any particles that we knew big, already. Yeah. It was a new particle, exactly, with a mass that was exactly in the range that people expected the Higgs boson to be. And so people were like, that seems to be the thing we're looking for. But clearly, you know, there is so much more to characterize about this. And definitely people have been busy since. Yeah, so we guess we knew some of its properties. Maybe we should tackle a bit of what it actually is. Because <laughs> we've, you know, heard about how grand a discovery it was. But why was it so important to find the Higgs? Well, first of all, you know, I wasn't around back when other particles conjectured by the standard model had been detected. And I could imagine that the excitement was similar. But in a way, the Higgs is so fundamental that it has sort of like almost a different status. Like if you look at the papers that for the first time suggested the idea that then became, you know, the, the Higgs boson, it's basically maths, right? Nowadays, you would call it mathematical physics. It was not really mm. a discovery or a proposal that had to do with a specific physics phenomenon. It was sort of like something that had to be there for everything else that we've seen to make sense. It was really sort of like the keystone that holds together a big mathematical construction, that is the theory of the standard model. And so, in a way, it's amazing that that particular thing, which, you know, comes from a very sort of human idea, which is the maths behind it, actually exists. To me, it's mind-blowing, right? And I think that many people felt that way. I mean, people might have heard of a boson being something like a photon, but photons don't have mass, and that's the electromagnetic force. And then we've got the, the weak nuclear force, which has bosons which do have a mass. They're the W and Z bosons. And so if I'm right, this is what the Higgs mechanism was doing, was giving some maths that would explain those two phenomena, how they could both equally fit in the standard model. Yeah, that's exactly it. Basically how these two different forces could basically be different representations of a bigger structure, despite them being so different from a physical perspective. And for that, we need the Higgs field, which is this idea that Peter Higgs, but also a whole alphabet of other <laughs> physicists helped to discover and to theorise. So this field exists that gives other particles mass. And the boson, then, how does that relate? The boson isn't what's giving the mass, right? It's the field. The boson is the excitation of the field. So if the field is there, the way you see it is through the corresponding boson. Mm -hmm. So in a way, the Higgs boson is what you can use to actually sort of probe the field, which is, as you said correctly, the fundamental entity that gives then masses to the rest. And in a way, you know, the existence of this field was added exactly to sort of make sense of why we could see some particles. And by the way, I say see, but let's keep in mind that at the time Peter Higgs wrote the paper, the W or the Z bosons, which are the bosons that transmit the weak force, have not been experimentally detected back then. So this was just yeah. a big theory. And so somebody came up with a way to make the theory work, and it took 50 years to then actually see the signs of this, which is perhaps another part of the reason why people were so excited about it. And of course, the Higgs mechanism then doesn't just explain the W and Z's mass. They then said, well, actually, this would also give all particles mass. And the way then that it works is that the more a particle interacts with the field, the more mass it has. Is that the general idea? So when you have a really heavy particle, it's because it's reacting in a strong way with the field. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think that like a mathematical perspective, what we call mass is effectively a drug that the particle feels through the Higgs field. That's a cool thing to mess with your brain, isn't it? I mean, yeah. <laughs> so you said Peter Higgs came up with this idea 50, 60 years ago, a long time ago. Why did it take so long then for us to find evidence that this Higgs field exists in you know, finding the Higgs boson? Well, at some level, clearly, there was an element of 
the need for experimental technology to get to the level of energy and precision that would have allowed us to zoom in on the Higgs boson. But equally, again, it was a long journey. When these theoretical papers were written, experimental evidence for the standard model was very partial. So there was a lot of other you know, steps to take before you get to the Higgs boson. So you need to have a very good understanding of everything else so that then that particular peak that was presented 10 years ago, so 2012, you can say, okay, that's nothing else we know, so it must be it. And also, you know, clearly, it takes time to build a particle collider. Mm. But I mean, the previous particle collider at CERN, LEP, could in theory have seen the Higgs, right, if it had different properties. So if the Higgs was lighter than it actually has turned out to be, it might have been seen earlier. But equally, it's quite fortuitous, I guess, that it's not much heavier. Otherwise, we might not have even seen it yet. It's kind of in a nice sweet spot. LEP did see some signatures that people at the time considered could have been pursued further. But clearly, you know, these are big experiments. And operation requires careful consideration of, you know, strategic research goals. And so part of the reason why it took so long was also that, you know, some decisions were taken in terms of like, let's prioritize the LHC and build it so that then we have something that can be probably more conclusive. But you're right, the mass of the Higgs is in a sweet spot. Although the detection of the Higgs boson at that particular mass kind of threw a jolt through the community, because of course, a lot of people scrambled to check whether their models or their theories could actually make sense in light of this mass or whether they need to be reviewed and so on. So it was actually, you know, fortuitous, but at the same time, quite momentous. And we're talking about models now that go beyond the standard model, right? So the standard model includes this Higgs mechanism and explains all of the particles and all the forces. But of course, we also know it's not the end of the story because there's loads that it doesn't explain. So I think that's one of the reasons as well people are so excited about the Higgs is because it opens up this huge window for trying to go further than the standard model. It's the latest, newest, shiniest toy. But also, as you said, it's really quite fundamentally different because it's this Higgs mechanism which just hasn't been explored. It's, I think, the only spin zero particle. And the spin is this like quantum mechanical property. It's just really quite unique as a way into trying to prize open the standard model. Yeah, that's right. And I think that there is a narrative that, you know, people might wonder, okay, you found exactly what you were expecting. And physicists sometimes sort of secretly hope that things go slightly wrong so that they don't see what they were expecting, because then that would be quite exciting, because then you have to basically go back to the drawing board. But to be fair, the detection of the Higgs boson was very exciting because it was really the starting point of a next chapter, in my view, of particle physics, because it's really a fundamentally different particle that interacts with everything that is around us in such a unique way that, you know, it's exciting to think about what we can learn by studying it more carefully and more closely. And in terms of what we learned so far, I mean, the main thing is just how well it does fit with the standard model. It is fitting perfectly. And I think that that's yet again a moment that you almost want to pause and consider how incredible it is that something that was theorized 60 years ago, it's exactly being revealed in experiments. So our description of reality is perfectly matching what nature is throwing at us. Nobody said that this should happen. And of course, Peter Higgs and Francois Engler won the Nobel Prize for the fact that their theory then turned into a discovery. And um, that was back in 2013. Have you ever spoken to either of them? Unfortunately not. I didn't have the pleasure, but maybe one day. Maybe one day. I actually, I spoke to Peter Higgs again when I was an intern back at CERN. This was in 2008. So 
you know, before the LHC, actual startup. He was quite confident, actually. He seemed to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll find it. <laughs> you know, he was, I think, 80 at the time. He just said, oh, I hope it's in my lifetime. There is a famous moment of the press conference in which the first evidence was presented. Peter Higgs was in the audience and, you know, I invite everybody to actually take a moment and look at that YouTube clip because it's quite moving to see somebody whose lifetime, in a way, has been somewhat attached to this particle react to the discovery. I'll have to go back and look at that. That sounds amazing. So we've talked about how the Higgs does fit with the standard model and kind of the kind of things that they're looking at. The LHC are, we mentioned, pinning down its mass and that it's spin zero. And, of course, all of the ways in which it does interact with particles because we're trying to show that, that the more a particle interacts with the Higgs field, the heavier it is, that kind of relationship. And is that that's what they've seen? Is that right? Yes, exactly. So basically, in the first 10 years, what experimenters at CERN have been doing have been trying to assess the strength with which the Higgs boson interacts with another particle. That has to do also with the probability that the Higgs boson decays into another particle, because the Higgs boson exists for a fleeting amount of time, as is the case with most of the particles that particle physicists work with at LHC. And by measuring these quantities, you can then actually get an understanding of the interaction And what they've seen, pulling together the data from the past 10 years, which is also reported in the articles that we've published this week, is that exactly the interaction strength of a given particle with the Higgs boson is proportional to that particle mass, which is the fundamental mechanism that gives mass to particles in the standard model. And that's exactly what's happening. It's a perfect line as far as experimental error goes. And it's mind-blowing to see that. And so we're 10 years in. What did it mean for you in terms of papers and publishing and how did it change physics in that way? It's an interesting question because at some level, you know, there is something about these huge discoveries that seem to change everything, but they don't really change that much in the end because if you browse particle physics journals or articles, you know, you will see articles that are very similar to the articles that used to be around just with the Higgs in it, right? (laughs) And that's actually... You know, it's so deep, the difference, and yet so almost unnoticeable. Because basically, most of the research this year has been focused on understanding the Higgs interaction with particles. And so several results is, how can we measure this better? What have we measured so far? Here's an idea on how to increase the precision on measuring this interaction with that. Essentially, particle physics got down to it, and like they really kind of get going applying the expertise accumulated over decades of work with other particles to the Higgs. So the discovery is kind of like a starting gun and then you're like, oh, actually, we have to pin down all its properties and all the Higgs interactions and figure out how all those results then fit with theory. But I assume there are still a lot more questions that physicists want answered. Absolutely. To start with, given that the Higgs interacts more with heavier particles, we have seen only the interaction with the heaviest particles, whereas the interaction between Higgs boson and the lighter particles, such as the one that actually make up the world, such as electron, protons, or neutrons, it is much harder to realize this experimentally, and so this has not been really observed yet with enough statistics to make any estimates. So that's definitely something that the community would like to explore next. And this is clearly an effort to First of all, check whether, you know, the standard model, as annoyingly accurate as it's been so far, keeps being so annoyingly accurate, if you want. But also, the Higgs boson is one of the many possibilities that could be happening to explain what we're seeing. So there are a number of conjectures that, you know, if you want to set the stage for beyond the standard model physics, that involve the Higgs boson in some way. There could be more 
Higgs bosons, or some conjectures are whether the Higgs boson is a composite particle, so whether it's made of something else. Wow, so it's not fundamental. It's, you know, we, mm. we have no idea. You know, there are basically theories for everything you can imagine, right? But, you know, then the experimental evidence needs to be accrued. So there is so much that we need to understand. And, of course, we have the LHC coming back for its third run. Are you excited about that? What might we find to do with the Higgs in run three, do you think? I mean, it's certainly very exciting to see what the LHC is going to be up to in the next few years. There are a few anomalies that are on physicists' minds, as you point out in your own news articles. And to be honest, you know, it's also very difficult to imagine what might be coming up next. We need to just keep looking to see if anything appears. And something to do with the Higgs boson is very likely to be a potential source of new insights. Particularly something that physicists are excited about. I don't think this is going to be necessarily within the reach of LHC run 3, but it's the way the Higgs boson interacts with itself. Because clearly the Higgs boson has mass. So the Higgs boson gives itself mass, which I understand it's a bit mind-blowing and mind-bending in a way, but that's actually what happens. And physicists hope to see within these self-interactions or more generally also the interactions with the Higgs boson with other particles, whether there could be echoes in these interactions of the way Higgs interacts with something we don't know. Well, so all the anomalies that I wrote about, none of them are actually to do with the Higgs. There are a couple that people might have heard about data from an experiment that's closed down, I think, 10 years ago in the in the States, measured the W boson's mass to be much higher than the LHC experiments had measured and then the standard model predicted. Um, that was a big one. And then there's this idea that decays were happening more frequently into electrons than muons, was another one from the LHC that has been seen by one experiment, in particular LHCb, and then other experiments now looking for it. So there are a couple of really interesting sounding anomalies, but they're not to do with the Higgs. But it does sound like actually the Higgs might be the way that we end up seeing this physics beyond the standard model that draws together all those loose threads, you know, explaining things like dark matter and why the universe is made of matter and there isn't antimatter everywhere. If you had to, you know, put your money somewhere, which bit of the standard model are we likely to find this new physics in? Where's the lead going to come from? (laughs) Well, I don't know if that's the most likely place, but I think it would be amazing if it was related to Higgs because it would be such a nice story, right? It would be such an interesting way to move forward. But to be honest, like, I agree that these anomalies don't have to do with the Higgs boson directly. And clearly, when you talk about physics beyond the standard model, this is all very much a conjecture. So anything could happen, and it's impossible to predict very easily. But the idea would be that if there is something, you know, beyond the standard model, you should be able to see bits and bobs of it appearing in many different ways. And for instance, there has been a lot of work trying to tie these various anomalies together. And, you know, the Higgs boson is a natural place to start looking for that potential bridges between these various anomalies. But clearly, this is all a bit up in the air and speculative. And it's an exciting time to see what might come up next. But it's true, the Higgs boson, you know, the Higgs field, the Higgs mechanism, interacts with so many other particles that it is this kind of link, isn't it, between them. So surely we'd see something in that area if there is some underlying anomaly that we're starting to surely, surely, the curtain Surely on. is a delicate word. But yes, in principle, we would expect <laughs> yeah. to see some signature of other particles or other physics within the Higgs boson because it is so pervasive, as you said. Yeah. And somebody who I spoke to, a physicist for a story I'm writing at the moment, said the discovery actually came a lot earlier than people originally thought 
because of advances in techniques for analysis, you know, think using things like machine learning, it just made me think how little we can predict the future, which I know you'll agree on. So this idea of, you know, what we might be looking back on in another 10 or 20 years from now, like what the, the big advance is going to be, it's just so hard to tell, isn't it? It is extremely hard to tell, exactly. And I think that, you know, like in the context of this, I would like to spare a thought to the people who actually are in the position of decision making in terms of what strategy particle physics should follow. There are big, you know, decision-making consortia, even CERN and involving the member states. There is a big conference in the US, which is called SNOMAS, where the strategy for particle physics is laid out. Because it's extremely difficult to basically manage the complete uncertainty on the one hand and the very big timescales and money investments required to explore that on the other. So let's thank them for all the work they've done and hope, you know, for the best that the next steps are going to be I don't want to say the right one because I don't want to put pressure on them. But, you know, like, it's going to be very interesting to see where we go. And hopefully they will reveal something indeed that is going to, you know, as you say, in hindsight, allow us to look back and really feel like we've made steps forward. So fingers crossed. And I mean, hopefully we can do a lot with the machine that we already have. The LHC, as we say, is starting a new run, but there's already scheduled a big revamp after that, a big upgrade where it's going to collide particles, protons with even greater intensity we'll get loads more data and actually i think somebody said to me we have now about two to three percent of the data that the lhc will ultimately collect so we've had all of these discoveries that we've talked about the higgs was discovered itself and we're still you know right at the beginning of that little uh, bar that we're gradually moving through so yeah who knows what's out there and i think that there is reason to be optimistic right because i think there's so much more to be done that i think it's also borderline on unfair to basically hold judgment about, you know, the success of a research field or a given machine, which has been extremely successful already, to be honest, so early in its lifetime. You know, we need to basically give it time. And I'm sure that we will learn so much more, even just in terms of the working of the Higgs, which so far we don't know a lot about. And even if they follow the standard model yet again, that's in itself, it's an amazing accomplishment that, you know, we should be careful not to dismiss. It's not really the LHC's fault that physics seems to follow the standard model. It's definitely not, yeah. So we've talked about how big a deal this is, the discovery of the Higgs and all the exciting research that's been done since then. How big a deal is it? You know, if we look at like the history of physics, of science, how far up there is it, the discovery of the Higgs? Of course, it's part of the standard model. There have been lots of different inputs to the standard model over the years but it is also that last missing piece that was discovered um well i was hoping you wouldn't ask me this question but you know here i am <laughs> maybe personally because no, no, the other thing is for absolutely. you in your life it probably has been a bigger deal than the discovery of relativity was because you weren't around that is fair that is accurate no i think it's basically up there to be honest because to an extent this is the equivalent of one of those first early experiments that actually confirmed the theory of relativity. Because, you know, at some level, the standard model, the paper by Peter Higgs and all the other researchers of that time remain quite bound to the realm of physics literature until an experiment, bang on, realizes that these people were right. And this is something so fundamental about the workings of nature, similar to relativity in a way, that is really like, okay, this is how the world works. So these moments come very rarely in human history. So I would say that it's definitely up there. Don't ask me to put it before or after relativity, but I would say it's up there. <laughs> and we were quite lucky to be around to see it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's hope there's something else coming. <laughs> That's true. It might not be the end of the story. Lizzie Gibney there, talking with Federico Levy.
For all of Nature's coverage of the Higgs boson's birthday, look out for the links in the show notes for this episode. I've been Benjamin Thompson. See you next time. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com.